episode of the Worthy Pieces podcast. I'm your host Rhonda Davis and in today's episode I want to focus on grounding and mindfulness. Um, These two topics have come up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks primarily with some friends that are going through some really hard things right now. Um, There are two terms that we hear a lot more often and that's being discussed a lot more in therapy and other people's kind of experiences as they navigate their mental health. But I'm finding that even though the words are being tossed around and they're being recommended and they're being talked about, they're not really being explained. I think it's important in anyone's therapeutic experience that we really understand how we can use this technique as a basic coping skill and have a really great understanding of what this skill is. And so today I want to talk about the benefits of mindfulness and uh, how we can use grounding or meditative skills into that practice and more importantly why it works. So I want to start off by explaining, probably in today's episode, you're going to hear me use the word mindfulness and grounding almost interchangeably. I want to explain what they are, although they're very, very similar in the way that we use them. So for example, mindfulness is the ability we have to be fully present in the moment, no matter what we are doing or how we're feeling. Um, It obviously is not easy. It takes a lot of practice, but when you bring that awareness to what you're experiencing right in that moment, and typically we use our senses to do this, we're able to be in better control of our emotions, over our thoughts, and we're actually remodeling the structure of the brain and our cognitive processing. Now, when you hear me use the word grounding, grounding technically is a technique that is part of mindfulness. So grounding techniques are really to help you stay in that moment and again using your senses. Some people refer to a grounding technique as getting connected or becoming one with the earth. So that's where you have probably seen examples of people standing in the grass or playing with sand, doing something that reconnects you or grounds you back to the energy that the earth is offering. So I use them, like I said, interchangeably, especially with sessions. Some people still have this naive mindset of mindfulness when they hear this word. You know, they see people like sitting in their yogi poses or their zen or they have like this negative image idea of what mindfulness is. But we're seeing that a lot of mindfulness practices are being incorporated in self-care, business practices, stress relief, therapy, all kinds of different avenues because it actually works. So if you're one of those listeners out there that kind of questions this or you're like, oh, Rhonda's such like a hippy dippy, yes and no. Like my office again is holistic. My practice that I have is very holistic. Um, in today's episode, I want to just explain and express the, the importance of this as you're healing or maybe as you're going through therapy or, or whatever you're going through because it genuinely can help you center and be in control of your emotions where you're not feeling so out of control and maybe feel like those feelings that we have that sometimes we're feeling when we're going crazy. It will help you regulate and be more in control over these thoughts or these sensations. 
one of the rules of thumb that we talk about to practice mindfulness is that you have to practice this without any type of judgment, whether that's judgment of the thoughts that you're experiencing or maybe how your body feels or even how your body looks when you do this. There's a large variety of techniques that fall within the mindfulness category. So the ones that I'm going to talk about today are just examples, but honestly, you could probably Pinterest or Google examples of this to give you a better idea. And there's a variety of forms, right? When I talk about this, I'm talking about maybe a two or three exercise versus, you know, I think some people hear the word mindfulness and they think that they have to go to a sound bowl class or they have to take an hour yoga class or it takes this extreme amount of time to practice this when really it doesn't. Um, Mindfulness helps you put space between your inner self and those outward reactions and learning how to kind of be one with yourself. And the way I like to explain it to people really is it's helping you to become comfortable while being uncomfortable, whether that's with physical sensations or with your thoughts. It helps you better manage and be in control over these symptoms or over these sensations that makes your mental health or makes that moment of your mental health really uncomfortable. Now again, I'm going to remind you, mindfulness practices don't take or shouldn't take up most of your day. They should be simple little moments throughout your day that takes no more than really like two to three minutes. Can it take longer? Absolutely. But really, a lot of them, what I'm asking you to do are simple and basic that they really shouldn't take long at all. And you should be able to incorporate them at least two or three times bare minimally throughout your day. So some of the best practices I encourage with mindfulness are going to be number one, you have to make the time for this. Set aside the time. You don't need equipment or tools or anything like that to be able to practice these, but you knew, you do need to set time. So for example, like I always encourage people to do it at least three times a day. There should be a morning, an afternoon, and a nighttime ritual that you can create. The time, again, two to three minutes, bare minimum, okay? Number two, working on observing the present moment as it is right? So it doesn't matter if in that present moment it's negative or chaotic or peaceful or happy, but being able to observe it just how it is in that moment. Three, you have to let your judgments pass by. You can't be mindful and sit there and critique yourself while you're doing this. Allow the present moment to be there. Observe what's happening. Maybe their sensations or thoughts or fears, whatever is coming up. Allow them to be present without you critiquing or judging yourself. And then really number five, I always tell people, be nice to your wandering mind. That's a question that I get often is, well, what happens if I get distracted? That's okay. Don't judge yourself and and thoughts are going to come up or you're going to remember things or, you know, you're just going to get distracted. Something's going to happen that maybe takes away that moment of your mindfulness bring it back to that moment. That's all it needs. You don't, again, need to judge yourself. You don't need to criticize that you're doing it wrong. You don't have to feel ashamed. Just bring back that wandering thought or wandering mind into that present moment and get back on track. If you're able to do that, the better and more stronger this is going to be, especially the practice as you practice it over and over, the thoughts are going to lessen and you're actually going to be able to keep your mind in that present moment more and more. 
So now let's talk about what is or what are some of the examples I give for mindfulness. When I tell people or when we talk about this, especially in sessions, mindfulness and grounding is all about the senses, right? So although it's important to recognize maybe your thoughts or what's physically happening to your body, another easy piece in this is that I will recommend to clients especially have like a therapy box. Use the things that already bring you comfort. So whether that's essential oils, food, blankets, maybe it's your favorite shirt, Maybe it's candy or other some type of food. Do things that you know rather than trying to build this toolbox of all the things that you think you should know. A lot of the practices are going to be within arm's reach. So, for example, if you have crystals, if you have essential oils, again, that blanket, anything that's really around you, you probably can incorporate in this practice. When you're practicing that mindfulness of the of that current moment, there are examples. So breath work, meditations, visualizations, body scans, journaling, coloring, uh, sensory exercises such as like listening to music, eating, exercising, whatever that is. Any of those can be basic common activities that you probably do. I always tell people it's not about just doing the activity as much as it is your intention as you do it right? So for example, if you're one of those that get heated, have a bad day, take stress off, and you just want to go to the gym, right? Go to the gym, have your workout, have a great time. But is your intention going to be to release and work through information? Or is it going to be just to physically exert yourself and get some of that, that physical energy out of you, right? When you're meditating, if you have ever been to a yoga class or a sound bowl or something similar, they always have you set your intention, Why? Because it's your intention setting you up for what you want to work on and what you want to experience. So in a meditation or sometimes in the guided visualizations, you're going to set that intention of what you want to imagine or experience as you practice that, okay? Breathing exercises, it's another great one as the mindful breaths. There are certain breath work that actually will calm your nervous system reset brain body functioning and allow you to reduce that body stress response so as hippy dippy as it may sound when people tell you take some deep breaths it actually will will help you relieve that anxiety or relieve those sensations that you're experiencing within your body I think with this, the only thing I think is very comical in my sessions is I have so many people that I've talked to that'll be like, yeah, I took a breath for a couple of seconds, but it didn't do anything. And I'll say, well, give me an example. Or like, how long did you practice your breaths? People will say, well, I took three deep breaths and it didn't do anything. I shouldn't have to tell you, but I'm going to send a nicely reminder. Do things intentfully. Don't sit there and just be like, okay, I took three breaths. Rhonda told me to do it. It didn't work. Okay, with breathing, with meditation, with visualization, I always set the standard rule of thumb, do it for at least a minute. And I say at least very hesitantly because a minute should be nothing. Like that's 60 seconds. Ideally with my clients, I will tell them to shoot for a bare minimum of three minutes because that gives your body enough time to not only settle in that current moment, but it allows you then to gain a pretty good understanding of what you're experiencing in that moment and find its release. If you're just doing it for like 30 seconds, your body's not going to have enough time to even know what it's experiencing, letting, let alone releasing some, some emotion. 
I also always tell people three minutes is really not a lot of your day, right? For the three minutes that you probably are sitting on your phone at the end of the night TikToking or the three minutes that you're distracting from work or on Facebook or whatever that may be, you should be able to take, you know, three minutes to practice breaths, three minutes longer to sit in your car when you get to work and listen to some calming, relaxing music, or taking a three extra minute long shower. There's something within your day that you probably can give up for three extra minutes. That is not a lot of time. So when I have people tell me like, uh, I, I just don't have time for this. I don't have time to practice this. I will always call you on your bullshit with that because you have extra time. But again, it goes back to that first rule of thumb. It's about making the time for it. I get it. We're all busy. You're running around. You have things to do. You have responsibilities. Taking that moment in the middle of your day to focus on your breath seems annoying and silly. But I promise you, the more habitual you can make it, the better and more in control you're going to feel with your emotions and with what you're going through. A body scan is another example. Um, There are many, many ways to do this. I personally think that a body scan is best done when it's guided. So can you do it alone? Yes, but unless you've had a lot of experience and you know really truly what a body scan is like, I'm going to encourage you to like YouTube it or, or maybe your therapist has like a meditation you can download, something like that to help give you the guidance as you go through a body scan. Um, if you don't know what a body scan is, basically it's a mindfulness practice where you focus intentionally each part of your body and just gain further awareness of what's going on in that part of your body. Um, and, and I start with my clients when I've done this, I start with my feet and toes and work myself up, releasing all of that energy then through my crown chakra or my head. Um, so like I said, there, there are visualizations, there are guided sessions of this probably anywhere on the web. Um, but I really, that one, I really recommend that you do it either with your therapist, with your partner, or just like through a guided app or meditation, because you're going to get the most out of it. I think when you have that assistance, journaling, everybody hates this word. Um, I'm not going to spend much time on the processing component of the journaling because this is about grounding, but I'm going to remind you to focus on that intention, right? Whenever a person hears the word journaling, I think most people think of like their grade school, dear diary, today is Friday and blah, 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 blah happened. No, when you're, when you're going to journal, especially if you're going to do it mindfully, focus on that intention, right? You're not trying to process the information. You're trying to move and settle the sensations, right? So for the journaling, maybe you're allowing yourself just to write down your thoughts. Um, I call it like free journaling, meaning that like there shouldn't be again any judgments or things like that. You're just going to simply write down in this moment what that experience is. So maybe you're writing down the emotions you can recognize. Maybe you're describing it like in a narrative version of what you're going through what you're feeling however you need to do it allow yourself to be free with writing it and especially allowing and observing those sensations and thoughts to what you're writing um the sensory exercises that i mentioned this this is probably more when i talk about grounding where where these techniques probably fall into place so anything sensory so a lot of people you know you've seen like at all a dollar certain stores now of 
um, like the poppet toys or the fidget toys or the stress balls. There's all kinds of things like that. Um, but you've also seen or maybe heard of like the Play-Doh or the sticky sand or blankets, food, anything that go, uh, relates specifically to your senses, you can use. Um, it also can be used, like I said earlier, of listening to music, exercising, washing the dishes, scrapbooking. Um, again, going back to like basic activities that you enjoy, it's about your intention. So some of the ones that I really like to use personally is I love my sticky sand that I have. That to me I can squish, I can play, I can shape, I can throw, I can do all kinds of things with depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, Play-Doh is one of my other favorites partly because it's also going to bring out my inner child, right? That smell that we all relate to with the Play-Doh is great but also the squishiness. Again, I can bend, I can twist, I can roll, I can break up in little pieces. I can do certain things that way. And when you're practicing this, it's not just um, mindlessly playing, it's mindfully, right? And so as I'm sitting there playing with my Play-Doh, I may be describing how I'm feeling, recognizing the temperature in my body. I might be describing how that like Play-Doh squeezes in between my fingers or if it's hot or cold temperature of the Play-Doh. I might be describing, you know, the texture or the color, certain things like that as I'm sitting there playing with it. But again, it's about your intention and that mindfulness, not the mindlessness. So I'm not going to just sit there aimlessly and focus on my focus on all of my anxious thoughts. I want to be present in this moment of what I'm doing with my senses, right? And that may sound confusing, right? Of yes, you want to be intentful or aware of your thought processes, but you're not processing, okay? Processing I'm actually going to do in my next episode because that's a whole other conversation. So for the sake of that, I'm going to just remind you, when you're processing, it's very different from when you're grounding or practicing mindfulness, okay? When you're processing, you want to understand or move the information. When you're grounding, you want to just bring back to this present moment. A lot of the a lot of people use the 54321 sensory activity where you're sitting in your car or work or whatever and you're recognizing five things you can see, four things you can smell, and you go through the senses that way. Other ones have I'm sure you've heard of have been like name all of the name five things in your room right now that are white or that are on the floor. Certain things like that. So the sensory exercises I think are the most fun because it it really makes you focus and again you're mindful in that moment because you're set focused on what you can see hear smell touch taste what's actually really funny about that too a while back I was on TikTok and I watched this girl which I don't know if it became like a popular video or that but I've seen it in various forms but it's really interesting because there's like these teenagers that are posting almost like Costco sized bags of what would be like airheads or sour candies and in their TikTok video they're kind of advertising this as oh my gosh I have panic attacks and I found this candy and I've eaten it and it takes the panic attack away. I think it's funny because a lot of the people that watch these videos are like oh my gosh it's this it's this candy that's saving my life I need to go buy this candy. No it's not the candy as it is like the sourness or the bitterness or the sweetness. So I always tell people that same rule can apply with this as well with the mindfulness. 
If you are in the middle of a panic attack or if you want to practice that mindfulness in that moment, yes, eat a sour candy. Put a lemon in your mouth. Put an ice cube in your mouth. Hold ice in your hands. Um, do something that way that it is going to, in a sense, shock your system and, again, bring you back to that moment. We've all eaten some type of sour candy throughout our life where you can be in the middle of a conversation, eat the piece of candy, and that kind of like bitter, tart, funky face you make is an example. In that moment, you paused for a brief second, brought you back to the moment and said, oh my gosh, that's really sour, or oh my gosh, I really don't like this. That would be an example of mindfulness. It brings you back to that moment, and it doesn't matter anything else of the external world or factors in that world you're focusing on that bittersweet taste of that candy, okay? So that's just an example. If you want to use food, I'm a, I am love food. I'm a fatty. So food for me is always one that I recommend a lot for clients because I think anything like ice, sour, tart, sweet can, A, you relate to it. B, it's pretty accessible, meaning that you have it probably at your house or it doesn't t- cost much for you to go buy and keep in kind of like your therapy box. Um, but it's something that I think really relates to and you know when you're eating a piece of candy bringing you back to the moment how much time does that really take from you right other than if you have to go to the store or something to buy it eating that sour candy takes again a couple minutes of your life but it's something easy it doesn't require any extra effort or work really other than the intention of them bringing it back to that moment of what you're going through. Okay, so some of you out there are probably going to ask, cool, I focus on my breathing in this moment. What the heck do I do now? Well, number one, you've got to slow down, right? People that struggle with an anxious mind, people that are triggered, things that make you in that crisis or kind of alarm state causes so much more anxiety because you're thinking that big picture, not the small next step. So when you're practicing these mindfulness exercises, The one thing you need to keep in mind is not why that emotion is there, right? I think in a previous episode, if you haven't heard it, just know you're going to hear me say this again and again. It doesn't matter why, okay? Why the emotion is here or why you're feeling stressed or anxious or triggered doesn't matter because you're already feeling the emotion. Understand saying like, oh, I had a fight with my mom this morning. That's why I'm here cool, does nothing for you. It's not going to take away the emotion just because you figured out where that trigger came from. You have to focus on what you're going to do about it. So let's say you checked in, you practiced some belly breaths for the last five minutes. What do you do now? Well, A, what do you need, right? Take a look at the, in that moment, take a look at what you can control. What is that next step that you need to make or what are those changes that need to happen? Not identifying how do I fix this? How do I focus on that big picture? How do I change, you know, my whole life in this one moment? You have to think baby steps and I know that's very, very cliche and I know it's frustrating for some of us in those moments, but I think a big part of the mindfulness is looking at, okay, in this moment is this kind of reset It brought me back to this moment where I'm focusing on X, Y, and Z, right? I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I've identified these emotions. I've reset my nervous system. I'm feeling calmer. I'm feeling more in control. What is it that I need in this moment? 
Okay. If you're fixing something, like let's say if you practice this because you forgot a deadline at work. Okay. Did you screw up? Yep. Mistakes happen. Awesome. What do you need right now to gain better control over it? Maybe it's sitting and clearing the rest of your day and focusing on what, what that task is. Maybe it's setting up a meeting with your boss to figure out how you eliminate some of your stress or some of your responsibilities. Whatever that next step is, it doesn't matter really. It just the, the key point that I want you to get out of this is focusing on what you need in that moment to help gain control. Okay, we all want to be in control. That's one thing I want you to keep in mind as well. When you're in these moments, again, you're not fixing anything, okay? But you ideally want to take control of the situation. And the way that I explain that is it's like if you get in a car accident, right? Ideally, we all know that you, we wish that you didn't get in a car accident, but you did. And there's effects from that right? You have to call your insurance. You have to file a police report. Maybe you have to go to the doctor, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't matter. Ideally, we all know that the car accident, we wish that could have been, we could have eliminated that, but it didn't happen. So you're here after the car accident in this moment. What control can you take in this moment to gain more stability with the issue, right? And an example of that is if you haven't called the insurance, that would be your next step. If you haven't made a doctor's appointment, that is all within your control. But sitting and wallowing in that negative space, the wishing for the, I wish this would have never happened, I want to understand it, is just going to bring that shame spiral and make you spiral in it, right? It's going to create that rabbit hole for you to fall dark and deep into. So, Reduce or eliminate any of that external stimuli that you can. Eliminate that stress, especially eliminating the things that we can't control. But the other thing is, is looking at what you are in control of, even if it's the small baby steps that you need to look at and take into consideration in this moment, right? Again, going back to what you need. Sometimes that need is, oh my gosh, I just need to go home for the day and be with my kids and sit in my house. I need to leave work. I need to get a hug from a friend. I need to do a basic, basic skill for my life to feel a little bit more fulfilled or at least to add more gas to my tank. So be mindful of this. Be compassionate of that. And I promise you that it's going to help you come to terms with this stress, but also come to terms and give you more empowerment of what you need to do to rely on yourself and trust yourself as you heal and as you learn how to manage these skills better. And then, so for some of my last thoughts, if you're experiencing a lot of stress with this, don't make it stressful. Make it simple. A lot of what the mindfulness practices are should be simple exercises that you don't need to invest or spend a lot of time doing. So if you need to, I'm going to encourage you to set a timer Spend at least two times a day for at least three to five minutes just focusing on yourself. You can use, you know, like I'm sure your Apple Watch or your phone. Just set a timer and practice this. Start simple. You don't need to be overwhelmed with this. Remember, I'm just asking you for basic check-ins. Regulating those emotions, identifying what you need in this moment. Again, simple practices like the 54321, belly breaths, body scan, they don't have to be long exhausting exercises. So set a timer, 
um, set a timer to do the exercise or set a reminder on your phone to check in with yourself. If you know that you get to work 15 minutes early every day, then set a timer 15 minutes before you have to clock in and practice something for three minutes. But set those reminders, but don't just clear them. If you're going to set the reminders, hold yourself accountable and do them, right? Don't just say you're going to do it and not follow through. Set the reminders, do them, make them part of your daily practices, and I promise the emotional regulation will come with as the more you practice these. Lastly, I want to just encourage you, remember that you're growing, okay? So as we constantly change, as we focus and put more intention in our mental health or on this kind of unknown territory of life, it will cause you anxiety and stress and some fear and excitement, But you don't have to be scared. Just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you have to be scared or anxious and not participate in this. You're growing and you're changing. That should feel empowering and exciting, but also scary. And I get it. You can be scared shitless, but also be compassionate with yourself and remind yourself that you're growing, right? You're planting that new garden and we're slowly clearing that garden of weeds and ick out. Meanwhile, planting flowers and trees to grow and and that and those plants or you need to be nurtured, need to be cared for. So it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to have these negative emotions. But remember you're growing and you're changing. It's not necessarily meant to be easy. It can be easy, but sometimes it feels like it's the worst thing you're doing. But the other thing is, is as you make it positive, as you start to change and see these improvements, that's where you're going to see your garden flourish and you're going to feel so much more relief and happiness and joy finally come back into your life. But in order for you to grow, it requires a lot of patience that I know a lot of us don't have and it requires a lot of trust, trust within yourself But I promise you, you're going to be able to do it as long as you try. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to try, right? Growing makes you uncomfortable. It takes time just as much as that flower, right? The more you water it, the more you nurture it. In no time at all, you're going to see that flower garden grow and flourish and be bright and beautiful just as much as you can be. So, challenge yourself get out of your comfort zone push yourself try something different and more than anything hold yourself accountable consistency and accountability is where you're going to see these changes and these changes that you create daily and you make them habitual will soon enough become these positive healthy coping skills that you then can live the future of your life with rather than the dwelling or the shame of the negative coping skills that have gotten you this far. Don't forget that you were strong, you were resilient, you were powerful, my friend. Never give up on yourself. Water your flower, allow yourself to grow and push yourself and you will see what you are truly capable of. 